myself again. Good afternoon, welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. Delighted to be here. I'm joined by Mick Lewis. How are you, Mick? I'm very good, Steve. You? Yes, uh, great to see you, mate. I've got to get this out of the way first. A big Go shout on, out to NUFC Matters fan, Olivia. What right. an absolute pleasure to meet you yesterday, Olivia, <laughs> at St. James's Park. Uh, I've never seen your uh, a little face light up as much when those goals went in the second half. Nice to meet you and your dad. Uh, she watches the show religiously. Uh, she loves the music. She loves the people on it. She loves Newcastle United. She loves being at the match. And, and if anything came from yesterday, um, other than things on the pitch, it was meeting so many different people who had nice things to say about the show. But Olivia, it was an absolute pleasure to meet you. I hope you enjoy the season. And uh, you and your dad... Uh, see lots of goals and lots of winning games at St James's Park next season. But uh, good to have, uh, good to meet you, and maybe get you on the show at some point. So, Absolutely. Uh, no, okay. fantastic, and that was a good thing, Mick. Yesterday, surrounded I hope, I hope, by families. I hope Olivia sees as many games as I've said. Morning, Olivia, or afternoon, Olivia, wherever you are. Uh, yeah, that, I mean that's what it's. You know, that was. I mean, I must admit, I was watching the scores come in, and I was watching. Um, the likes of Sky Soccer Saturday and things like that, and I did think they were. It got it got a bit boring when it was all about oh, and isn't it great to have the fans? Oh, and isn't it great to have the fans back? And walking up to the ground, and a lot of these journo's I know who you know, I, I honestly don't whether I don't know whether it actually matters to them, you know, whether whether the crowds are in the ground, but they kept going to Luton, and that was the one that really got me because in the background at Luton, kids everywhere kids everywhere and I just I was watching it and I was thinking do you know what it is I remember the days when they used to beg your dad to take you and, and tell your dad you were old enough to go to the game and don't forget when I grew up Stevie I mean I'm older than you I mean that was in the days when you took your life in your hands to go to a football game I mean it was World War Three I mean there was proper bother there was proper fighting you know um, and obviously it's a different spectacle now and it's you know but then at the same time it costs that much more etc but it is fantastic that kids can still go to the game and kids could still get excited about the game because I think people reading between the lines, listening to me on this and listening to me on on other things, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, I, I personally am beginning to sort of question football and has it lost its common touch and has it lost uh, its feel for for the for the man in the street and the families and and you know for as long as there's people like Olivia getting excited about meeting you at St James's Park. Then, uh, then football's in a decent, decent shape anyway. You know, it is uh, the the future of the game. They're the, the you know they're the fans who um, will be you know here long after we've hopefully. gone, and um, they're the ones. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, I mean, there's so much negativity surrounds our club these days, and you know, lots of people rightly criticising you know the owner in particular for you know lack of investment over the last 14 years. But when you see the innocence of a child. And there was many of them yesterday with parents. I was sitting amongst a lot yesterday. Uh, some interested, some not too interested. Some like Olivia, blown away and just delighted to see her heroes in black and white shirts. Yeah. It was just great to, to, and, to and see I, that. And I'll say it again, Steve, and I said it here last time I was on last week or the week before. You know, whether we like it or not, and whether we moan and groan, and some are more cynical than the others, um, and, and, and some, you know, think, and, and, and I might be guilty of it on occasion, um, at the end of the day, she's still capable and still able to go and watch a Premier League football team. You know, watching the results yesterday, watching the scores come in, eight teams, eight teams in League One who were Premier League teams not so long ago. You know, you know, forget wow. Sunderland. You know, there's the Boltons. There's teams who we regularly played week in, week out, who were now at that level, the third level, the old third division. So, you know, be careful what you wish for. You know, don't forever think that it's doom and gloom. Don't forever think, uh, you know, oh, woe is me. You know, how, how, how put upon are we? You know, we've still got a magnificent stadium. We've still got a magnificent football club. But most and first and foremost, we've still got a Premier League football team who will be playing West Ham United next week. Then we'll be playing Aston Villa. Not far down the line, we'll be playing Manchester United. So, you know... It's it's not all doom and gloom. And, you know, if you're a kid, don't lose faith with football. Don't lose faith with football. It is the best thing we've got in many, many ways. 
Yeah, uh, I 100% agree. Uh, great as well to see Steve Bruce um, heading over to the food bank yesterday, Mick. I'm sure you picked that yeah, up on social media. Yeah. Something that was something that was uh, pre-planned, of course, and uh, he turned up and rattled the bucket. And, uh, you know, he was there with Lee Marshall, obviously, who's head of PR and media these days at St. Yeah. James's Park. Well, good, a good PR gesture at the start of the season. But that does not surprise me in the slightest. You know, that does not surprise me in the slightest. And, and that's why I've come on here on occasions and I've told the story about meeting him all those years ago in the players' lounge at Old Trafford when he was captain of Manchester United. You know, of talking to people who I know who know him. The guy's a good guy. You know, whatever you think of him as a as a first-team coach, whatever you think of him as a manager, he's a ge- I think he's a genuinely good guy. Yeah. And on, top of, and on top of that, he's a Geordie. And all this nonsense about what well, was he? Is he really a Newcastle fan? Was he really a Newcastle fan? Yes, it, yes, it might have been diluted by twenty years at Old Trafford or whatever it was. And yes, he's been elsewhere in the country. And yes, he has to. Of course, you have to swear allegiance to the club who are employing you. But deep down, I think we all know his first love is Newcastle United. His first love is Newcastle upon Tyne as a city. And and as as soon as Bill Corcoran said, you know, will you come along to the food bank? I bet he didn't bat an eyelid. You know, in the same way as I've said this story before, you know, when, when Whitley Bay got to the semis or the final of the FA Vars or whatever it was all those years ago, and I said to Pardew, do you want to go along to Whitley Bay one night and talk to them about the FA Vars? Because he played in the FA Vars. He said, of course I do. You know, you know, you cut, cut get rid of the politics, get rid of the, 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 the negativity. You know, that they are human beings. They're proper human beings. You know, so... You know, that didn't surprise me in the slightest. Maybe you should do more of it. You know, if I, if I was an advisor to him, I would say, you know, show people, show people, you know, the, the, the Geordie side of you or, or show show people, you know, the, the, the side of you that is black and white and does care. Um, maybe he will say, I shouldn't have to, but, you know, maybe you have to. So maybe that was a small step. But I thought it was significant. And I, and as I said, I bet he didn't have a, a second thought about going and rattling the, the, the buckets uh, and raising money for the food bank. Fair play to him. Yeah, fair play to him. And, and for me, uh, you know, just, you know, let's just start the season. Uh, you know, everybody starts a fresh mix because, yeah. you know, essentially, essentially last season's gone. Um, for me, I still believe the takeover's gone. Let's just concentrate on... On this season now, trying to get behind the players, get behind you know the manager until you know you know until you know we the inevitable happens if something happens and we end up getting beat and beaten, beaten, beaten. We're going a bad run. That's when the yeah. criticism starts. It's unfair for me yeah. to start a season getting on people's backs, and I, I think th- we should be supporting the team, supporting the manager. We all start on a level peg, and let's see where we are after the first first couple of months. You know, I remember I remember saying it at the tail end of last season, and I, and and I honestly believe you know I was one hundred percent right to say it that he was the luckiest man in the world to stay in his job at one point last season when the when the run was ridiculous. You know, when the run, when the, when the it was clearly spiraling. You know, they, they'd not won a game in twelve or thirteen or whatever it was. You know, but the but the the the, the owners stuck by him for whatever reasons. Um, and he was he was a lucky man, and I'm and I'm sure he would say he was a lucky man to stay in his job because because we're in a results driven business, and it's as simple as that, Steve. It's a results driven business. So in the same way that he probably was very fortunate to stay in his job through January, February, March time last year, come April and May when they strung together the results they strung together, and they end up finishing twelfth in the Premier League, then you have to applaud him and the players. And you have to say, well done. You know, you you have finished in a position which is more than respectable by hook or by crook, however. But as you rightly say, the slate has been wiped clean. You start again. You know, do you think, can you remember, Steve? I don't know if people can remember. I'm sure they can because it wasn't that long ago. The season before Leicester City won the Premier League, they produced one of the greatest escapes in Premier League history. I mean, Nigel Pearson. Oh, they were absolutely, they were dead and buried in the Premier League. Uh, you know, the bookies wouldn't take a bet on them surviving. They survived and the following season, they won the Premier League. It was a one in a million. It won't happen again. It won't happen at Newcastle. But what it tells you is 
you have to allow whoever's in charge the benefit of a clean slate and go again. And we need to give, you know, Steve Bruce the ability to go again. If after eight games they've won only one, or if after ten games they've won only two, then quite rightly he needs to be criticised. But at this minute in time, he needs to be backed. The players need to be backed. They haven't got the worst start in the world in terms of fixtures. I remember for years and years and years when I was working there, that was the first thing you did. You looked at your first 10 games and you thought, how many, how many do we think we can win? How many points do we think we can pick up? And you look at Newcastle start and it's definitely not the worst in the world. Yeah, I would agree. Um, let's look at the football. Yesterday uh, was the uh, the final pre-season game. It was Norwich City at home, which um, you know was a game of two halves. First half, uh, Newcastle and, and Norwich were fairly even. Stevens, Norwich yeah. probably shaded it, I thought. Second half, on comes ESM, on comes Shelby. Um, we, we haven't seen a great deal of either player, really, in these pre-season friendlies. But both of them changed the game. Newcastle run out 3-0 winners. Matt Ritchie scrambled the ball over the line. Dwight, um, Dwight Gale got a couple of goals. Yeah. Um, it was it was a bit of a head-scratcher for me, and, and we were talking off air before we came on, because I often think that you're going to see the team that's probably going to start against West Ham. I don't think we saw that yesterday. I thought we saw no. players... We know that... I think Steve Bruce kept his cards fairly close to his chest yesterday. I think, you know, I think once upon a time, once upon a time, in the days before huge squads and transfer dealings that go on left, right and centre, I think you're right. I think you you invariably did uh, on that final warm-up game, that final friendly of the, of the summer, you did get an idea, or you certainly got within nine or ten of the starting 11 the following week. I mean, you look at the charity shield yesterday, you know, Manchester City. Manchester City's basically put out a third team. You know, Guardiola's not bothered. And this is a showpiece game at Wembley. So so, so coaches do ap- approach it differently now. You know, you know, pre-season, as I said last, last week when I was on, I've never, ever, ever read or written or read anything that's convinced me that we should believe anything we see or hear in pre-season in terms of results. So, yes, it's great to beat Norwich 3-0. Yes, maybe psychologically, if you're Norwich City, you know, I can't remember when we play them during the regular season. But, you know, they might just come to St. James's and think, hang on a minute, we were here not long ago. We got beat 3-0 in a friendly. So, psychologically, it, it, it might have, a, it might have a, a bearing on the next time they meet. But essentially, essentially, it will have no, no real outcome or real, no real bearing on what happens during the season. But what it will do is it will give him a chance to look at players. I don't think, as you rightly say, I don't think we were anywhere near seeing his necessary start in 11 against West Ham. Um, but it's interesting that Shelby, who I've always, always backed, and, and I never really understood why people have the problems. I know they call him lazy, but I just, I think I've said in the past, I think he's more languid. I think he's one of those players who, I think I compared him once to Chrissy Waddle. You know, he, he did, looked, yeah. I was just, I was trying yeah. to think who it was you compared yeah. him to, and it you was know, definitely Waddler. Yeah, he, he doesn't, he, he doesn't look like He's putting it in. But believe me, if you play with him and if you ask anyone in that side, would you rather have John Joe Shelby in your team or do you think he's a luxury? Every one of them will have him. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, in that respect, a fit John Joe Shelby who's up for it, who wants the battle, who wants to, you know, wants to pull the shirt on is, for me, an absolute 100% starter because in that centre midfield role, he does something that no one else does at this minute in time, and that's pick a pass. You know, we're talking about Willock. We're not buying Joe Willock if we get him, if we get him, and I still think there's a big if against that. We're not buying him to do what Shelby does. We're buying Joe Willock to arrive late and score goals, which is exactly what he does. We have Isaac Hayden, who for me is a very good midfield player, and I'm sure Isaac Hayden is probably bending Joe Willock's ear because he left Arsenal and probably doesn't regret it in the slightest because I think he he, he knows what Newcastle's all about. But but Isaac Hayden's there to win a ball and give a ball. So you've got Isaac Hayden to, 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 to win a ball and give a ball. You've got Shelby to play a ball. And then you've got Joe Willock, if he signs, to, to make those runs and help out ASM, Callum Wilson, whoever. So, you know, that for me as a, as a, as a midfield three, 
is a pretty good mix. It's a pretty good mix. But a lot of this depends not on the fitness of John Joe Shelby, because I think he's probably going to be okay, but on whether they can sign Willock. That was the big question on everyone's lips yesterday. Where's Willock? Where is he, Mick? Um, in your heart of hearts, do you think that's going to happen? Steve Bruce still can't really give a you know, a positive answer on it. Obviously, he's hoping that Willock signs, yeah. but do you think it's going to happen? Um, I, I think you've heard me say on here, and people have heard me say on here, that I thought it was doubtful. I thought it was doubtful, but that was more, as I've said before, a reflection of where I think Arsenal are rather than where Newcastle are. I, I, I just don't think Arsenal are in a position to give away a player, not give away, but to let a player go who has shown himself to be capable of scoring the goals that he scored from midfield for Newcastle United. Now, whether uh, Arteta feels he doesn't fit the system, whether he thinks Arteta Arteta th just doesn't like him as a player, I mean, that's a, that's always a factor. You know, coach, some coaches like players, some coaches don't like players. I think what I have no doubt about, a bit like Isaac Hayden and many, many players I dealt with over the years at Newcastle is, I think the love that he's felt and the warmth that he's felt from the crowd at St. James's has had a big impact on him. And I think on his family as well. I'm led to believe that his family have been massively impressed by the way that they took him to their hearts in the same way that Arsenal didn't. You know, we all we all want to be loved, Steve. We all want to be liked. We all, you know, and, and it's no different if you're a millionaire footballer, you know. If you've got a manager down the road saying, well, I might, you, know, you might be on the bench. If you've got a guy who then travels 300 miles up the road and everybody's screaming and shouting his name, he's got a manager who's saying, you're on my team sheet, you're the first name on my team sheet. It makes a big, big difference. I did temper that by saying last week, I wouldn't necessarily break the bank for him because I'm not sure he's the real deal 100%. He's a very young man. He did outstanding things last season. Um, but I think I think if they're talking 25 million, I think for what you get for 25 million these days, Steve, he's definitely, definitely worth that amount of money. But going back to your initial point, my heart of hearts, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, 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 I wouldn't want to call it. I wouldn't want to call it. I think, I think there's a chance he will come. Um, but I think there's also a chance that maybe, maybe, uh, Arsenal will be under pressure to keep him. Hundred million pound uh, gets you Jack Grealish these days. Yep. Uh, Darren Cowan says, "Mick, is it time that the Premier League brought in a wage cap like the last uh, like La Liga, which uh, which have, which is why Messi has left Barcelona? I mean, obviously, two hundred grand a week were led to believe for Grealish. I mean, is a wage cap the answer, Mick? We've we've probably talked about this in the past, but I mean, yeah. it's taken at the extremes. I remember sitting." You know, I can remember Trevor Francis becoming the first one million pound player and thinking that was phenomenal. But wow, I mean, look where we are now. Do you know the weird thing? Uh, when Trevor Francis signed for Nottingham Forest for a million pound in 79, 80, whatever it was, uh, I was working in a sports shop in Nottingham. Uh, I was a student um, and I was working in a sports shop called Redmayne and Todd's in Nottingham. Very famous uh, shop. And I worked there during the summer. And do you know, funnily enough, uh, and he was sponsored by Adidas and he came in one day and all he did was sign Adidas posters of him in a forest shirt. And, you know, he was a nice guy, Trevor Francis, and I was just working in the shop as a shop assistant. But I remember thinking at the time, I, 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 well, I think what I thought at the time was, OK, it's a million quid, but it's a million quid. And I didn't think it was that big a deal. When Alan signed for, for 15 million, I remember thinking this is a much, much bigger thing. You know, I thought this really is huge money. And yet, you know, in relative terms, it probably wasn't that big a difference. But but now I don't even think about it. I, you know, you know, you know, I turned on the telly yesterday and 97.5 million agreed between Chelsea and Inter Milan for Romelu Lukaku. You know, uh, Harry Kane and Man City and Tottenham talking about 150 or 160. I'm afraid these days. It, it just feels like numbers. It, do, it doesn't feel like reality. It feels like fairy tale football. It feels like fantasy football. It, feel, it really does. It really does. So is, is Jack Grealish worth 100 million? Should they put a cap on it? I don't know. They, they should put a cap on it, certainly, from the point of view that 
if they're not very, very careful. If it hasn't happened already, by the way, uh, we are going to have a situation where nobody outside of maybe four teams can win anything. You know, I, I heard I heard somebody say in the week, if we're not careful, we'll get to where Celtic and Rangers are in Scotland. And I felt like saying we've actually been very close to that for about the last 20 years. If you look at the number of teams who've won the Premier League, you know, you take out Manchester United and their and their golden era, and you take out Chelsea, uh, you take out uh, Manchester City and Chelsea since. There aren't an awful lot of Premier League winners in there. You know, Blackburn, Leicester, you know, Arsenal a couple of times. Otherwise, it's the same old, same old. But but but, do you want that? Do you, you know? It's interesting because you know we're we're sat here and we're talking about wage caps. And yet, at the same time, a year ago, we were dreaming of being the richest club in the Premier League. And the reason we were dreaming about being the richest club in the Premier League, Steve, is because we then thought we could go out and buy all the best players in the world and be potentially the best team in the Premier League. Now, a, yeah. wage, cap would, a wage cap would put a stop to that. You know, it wouldn't matter who your owners are. It wouldn't matter uh, who, who comes in and decides that they want to run your football club. You can still spend the same amount of money. So... There's arguments both ways. I don't think it'll ever happen. I don't think it'll ever happen. No. Okay. Bede says, if we had a bad start, say we only win one out of our first 10 games, do you get rid of Steve Bruce? It's a question for Steve and Mick. Um, I can't see it happening, Bede, I'm afraid. I think for as long as Ashley says he wants to sell this club, I think he'll stick with Steve Bruce. That's my view. I don't. I mean, we had a similar run last year where other teams didn't have as bad a run as Brucey did. And they pulled the trigger. Uh, I don't think Mike Ashley wants to spend the money. I, my, my honest opinion, and, and this is my opinion, this isn't anything I've heard, is that I think Bruce was appointed thinking it would be a short-term appointment because they did believe the takeover would go through quickly and that it would become an issue for the incoming owners to sort out. And if they wanted to keep Bruce the cut, if they wanted to sack him, get rid of him, make way for another manager coming in, they would have paid him off. That's my view. But I don't think that will happen. I think Bruce will get the support. I think they will stick with what they've got. I think there'll be minimal investment. Bruce talked last night about a couple of potential signings. Didn't say whether it was loans or permanent, but I would imagine it'll be loans. You hope he can break the bank for Willock. You want Willock to come in. But in essence, I think we are stuck where we are until Mike Ashley decides what he's going to do. And he can't decide what he's going to do until he knows whether that takeover is off completely or whether any takeovers off completely. So that's where I'm at on that, Mick. What about you? Well, as I say, I've said I've said it many times. You know that the, the nature and the uh, mentality of this football club, because it is driven by one man and one man only, will not change until Mike Ashley is not there. Uh, and as a result, you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, you know, Steve Bruce will stay in a job because Steve Bruce is steady Eddie. You know, at this minute in time. He is doing what Mike Ashley wants and wants no wants nothing more of uh, from a manager, and that's keep them in the Premier League, don't rattle any cages, um, and you know basically just just keep the money coming in, um, and and that's what Steve Bruce is doing, and and the, and you know the thing with Steve Bruce is that he he loves the job, he, he, it's the job he's always wanted, so he's he's not gonna um, you know ruffle any feathers. Um, and he's not really in a position to either because, you know, it, it's not as if he's saying, look, look, I can get his team fourth or fifth. You know, whether we like it or not, as I said earlier or said last week, you know, in an ideal world, in an ideal world, maybe Steve Bruce wouldn't be the manager of Newcastle United. But we're not in an ideal world. We're in a world where uh, at this minute in time, Newcastle need to survive. They need to be competitive. But they're never going to challenge. They can't challenge because of the reasons we've just talked about, that the, the top four or six are millions and billions of pounds further down the line and are buying the best players and are never going to relinquish that. You know, Leicester City are just about, just about breaking into that. But, they're, you know, Leicester City is spending 20s and 30 and 40 millions on midfield players you've never heard of and fullbacks you've never heard of. So, you know, they're getting dragged into it. But... You know, we are nowhere near that at this minute in time. And and I think Mike Ashley adopts the, the philosophy and has always adopted the philosophy 
that while it's causing me no heartache and while we're still in the Premier League and while the Premier League money's still coming in and I've still got a, a, an audience of millions for my, for, you know, for, for, for my advertising uh, at St. James's Park, then why would I change it? You know, he's, he's, he's got no, he's absolutely, he hasn't got one ounce, one ounce of competitiveness in his body. You know, he, he's got no ounce of, um, uh, uh, of wanting to win things with Newcastle United. He just wants to survive. So Steve Bruce will stay in a job. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, he won't be given any money because he'll use the excuse of, well, maybe I'm not going to be around. Um, so we are where we are. Yeah, uh, simple answer to a simple question from me, David, on this one. Would you prefer Terry over Bruce? I presume you mean John Terry. Um, no, is the answer. He's untried. Um, I think it would be a disaster, especially under the current owner. Mick? Absolutely. Uh, uh, was it Frank McAvenny who came up with the... Um, the, 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 the there was, there was a, an article online uh, which, was a, which was picked up on very quickly about um, ex, ex-international footballer uh, pushes Terry for Newcastle. And I thought, who's this? And it was Frank. It was Frank McAvenny. I thought, do you know what it is? I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna pick somebody to push somebody, uh, and if you, I mean, if you're John Terry, John Terry must have been thinking, God Almighty, the last person I want to be pushing me um, is Frank McAvenny. So no, it, 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 <laughs> I almost said it can't happen and it won't happen. You you don't know. I mean, who would have thought Joe Kinnear? You know, who would have thought, uh, you know, a couple of other appointments that uh, that Mike Ashley's made? But no, no, John, you know, John John Terry can't happen. Can't happen. No, uh, Frank McAvenny, I used to play five aside with him. He even played played a game for me Sunday morning team. Um, right. He is, I believe, he's an agent or he's involved with an agency. So maybe he's uh, got some pal or maybe he's involved in some kind of representation case for John. He was also pushing for Newcastle to sell ASM, and ASM had to leave. So uh, interesting. Uh, Sean says, Steve, as you feel the takeover is now over, you've said on a number of occasions you've contacted on the buyer side. What is their stance? Is it something they've indicated that has changed you? No, it's my gut instinct, mate. That's as simple as that. And yes, I still have communication with Mia, Dad and Amanda. And, uh, you know, look, um, it's not over till it's over. It's not over until someone comes out and says, that's it. That's all, folks. But it's just my gut instinct. You know, this can't drag on forever. PIF aren't going to hang around forever. And my mindset is that on this programme, I try to be as honest as possible with the contacts and the friends that come on the show, and like Nick, and we don't try to mislead people. Um, there's too much of that goes on on social media. So use this platform really just to be honest. Um, I could be completely wrong. And I, like I've said, I'd be delighted to have a custard pie in my face in the shape of a takeover going through <laughs> and Newcastle United becoming a multi-billion pound football club competing for the likes of Harry Kane's signature. But we've got to live in the real world here. We've got Mike Ashley, who was only interested in promoting his own businesses, uh, looking after himself and not running up a great deal of debt at our football club. And we've got Steve Bruce's manager. And like Nick's just said, that's where we're at. And um, we're going to have to accept that for the time being. Uh, if anything changes, um, I will you know, certainly give you my opinion, but at the moment, we've just got to focus on, on what the situation is. Now, I think I'm right in doing that, Mick. I mean, you broadcast yeah. on a much higher level than me for many years, and you, you more than any at Newcastle in your time, had had your ear to the ground and knew, mm. you know, your information was solid. And how, I mean, how, how did you deal with that when you were working? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, it, it's interesting because um, my, uh, my career probably, probably, um, by pure coincidence and poor, pure fluke or whatever, probably encapsulates perfectly the uh, the progression or uh, development, whatever you want to call it, uh, of the world of journalism. And basically it ties in with one thing and one thing only, a little word that begins in I and ends in T and it's called the internet. Because it was the in- it's the internet and technology which is, not only changed everybody else's lives, but it's also changed the lives of journalists um, and it's changed the lives, well, it's changed the lives of everybody. So, you know, once upon a time, you know, for instance, if, if I first came to Newcastle in 1991, um, somebody might have been seen at the airport and you get a call saying, and I've seen someone at the airport, or somebody might know someone who works in a hotel in Newcastle 
you know, but you know, but you were you were slightly skeptical, but at the same time, there there was an element because at the end of the day, uh, it's all about can you back up or can you prove your story or your tale or your little bit of tittle tattle, whatever, whatever. We're in a situation now where the whole thing has gone through the roof, and yet the strangest thing is, it's easier to prove your point now than it is to disprove your point because you have a thing called camera phones camera phones so when i hear people saying oh i've just seen so and so at such and such well why didn't you take a picture because you could put that picture all around the world you know once upon a time you could say oh i saw somebody coming through the departure lounge or the arrivals lounge at newcastle airport well well why should we take your word for it you know and then you get into the world of taxi drivers etc etc whatever the whys and wherefores are steve there are way 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 more bullshitters nowadays than there ever were and and you know people love to make things up they love to want to be the center of the story um but um at the end of the day the truth went out so you know, you know, I, I don't I don't know where I don't know where you draw the line. And I've never known where you draw the line. As a journalist, the one thing you have to do is you have to have good sources and you have to have trusted sources. So um, if 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 people want to throw enough mud around, some of it will stick. But the majority of it will fall off the wall and hit the carpet. I don't know. Yeah, I would agree. Um, look, interesting times ahead. Let's see what the next couple of months brings. Um, uh, big shout out, as always, to our sponsors on NUFC Matters. Without them, we couldn't put the show out there together. So can I please thank uh, SpiderVPN, uh, Google SpiderVPN. They are the best for internet security. Uh, they will protect your passwords, protect everything on your computer. Google SpiderVPN. Uh, they are the boys to trust. And uh, also a big shout out to skipsandbins.com. Telephone 0800 25 45 25 3. Enquiries at skipsandbins.com, website www.skipsandbins.com, easy contract free and pay as you go, waste collection. Also, a big thank you to qtechshop.co.uk, makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End in Newcastle. And uh, and also a big thank you to John at Jab Signature, who has been with us right from the start. Also, a couple of new sponsors on board uh, just for this month. Uh, we have LMG Funeral Directors, 01913897245, and Darren Baldwin Funerals, Independent Funeral Directors. Let us look after you in your time of need. Local direct cremations available from £1,495. You can contact them. Telephone 0191478273. Darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. And the website is www.darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. And... Um, if you want to subscribe to the channel, then just click the Newcastle Legends badge down in the bottom right-hand corner, and that's it. You subscribe for free, hit the thumb up to like the video, click share to share your social media, and drop into the comments box. We're live today to chat to like-minded Newcastle fans. Uh, no surprise, the funeral companies want to sponsor us at the start of this season, Nick, with the way that everyone's feeling. You took the words. Honestly, I'm sitting here thinking, what's he trying to tell me? What's he, trying to t what's he, what's he lined up for me? If I don't make it, if I don't make it to two o'clock, are you giving one of them to a ring? <laughs> well, you might, we might get a freebie, Mick, here for the world. Oh, hey, 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 by the way, by the way, I don't know if, however many people are listening to this, but isn't it, isn't it the greatest story in the history of sport that Bruce Springsteen's daughter wins a silver at the Olympics for horse jumping? Honestly, Fantastic. I mean, honestly, if I'm trying to think of improbable scenarios, you know, it's like it's like Johnny Rotten's daughter winning the Nobel Prize for, for literature or something like that. I don't, I don't know what you, Steve. Honestly, it's unbelievable. The thing really, is, though, Mick, you would have thought you would have thought with her dad, she would have been born to run. I, well, you all. But the other thing is, the other, the other down Thunder Road, you would have, <laughs> you would have thought as well, though. But by now we'd have heard of her, you know. Yeah. You know, go, going back to what we've just said about you know, you know, this, that, and the other, and keeping things secret and keeping things quiet. Where did Springsteen's daughter come from to win an Olympic silver medal? Why mm. has it never been mentioned? You know, I, I, 
I mean, I know it's not the same because, well, it actually, some Bruce Springsteen fans will argue it's the same. But when uh, when the Princess Royal's daughter, what was her name, uh, Zara Phillips, yeah, when she, when she was show jumping, she was show jumping because she was the daughter of Princess Anne. Now mm-hmm. we've got Bruce Springsteen's daughter jumping around on a horse, and only when she finishes second at the Olympics does anyone know who she is. Mad, absolutely. Mad. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, sorry about that. I was completely... No, no, hey, it's what, it's what the show's all about. Uh, lots of comments coming in from what we were talking about earlier. Um, Alan's, um, you know, some fans are really, you know, down, Mick, and he's just saying, yeah. what you're saying, Mick, is we'll be happy with 19 after 10 games and start no. complaining, and then it's too late. Morale in the fan base is at an all-time low, Mick. And I know that, uh, you know, uh, but what I'm saying is, in a roundabout way, is that you have to start like I say, with a clean slate. Um, I wasn't saying you'd be happy with 19. What I was saying was um, 12th last season buys you, buys you a bit of time and certainly buys you a clean slate. And what I'm saying as well is um, you can't even imagine or even think about um, competing at the top end of the table until you get rid of this owner, until you get rid of this owner. And and and, and while that owner's there, and, and, and while, um, you know, the rest of the division is doing what the rest of the division's doing, then, then Newcastle just have to try and compete. And they are competing. You know, a lot of the time they are competing. They went through that terrible phase at the tail end of last season when, as I say, I, I honestly think he should have lost his job. Um but he didn't lose his job. They rallied round. Willock played a huge part. Can they keep Willock or can they get Willock? Remains to be seen. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. As I've said, I, I sound like a scratch record. But I, you know, I watched Sky Soccer Saturday yesterday. I watched Five Live at, you know, start of the season. I, you know, I tried to get excited. Didn't get overly excited. But there are eight ex-Premier League teams in that third division. There are teams in the second division, including a team not a million miles from me, Nottingham Forest, who won two European Cups, who've been in that division for 20 years. Stoke City have never been higher than halfway since they got relegated. Derby County are on the verge of imploding as a football club, and they're a big football club. So believe me, you have to put it into perspective. We all want, we all, all want what's best for Newcastle. We all you sort of want the best that is humanly possible. But at this minute in time, while that owner's there, what's humanly possible and what's achievable are two completely different things. You know, we have to, have to bear with it. We have to go with it. We have to do things like the food bank um, and, and just just create that aura that Newcastle has about it and, and show the rest of the world that they're not feeling sorry for themselves and that they are doing good things. And it is still a great place to go because at this minute in time, the football is almost secondary. Yeah, Darren Cowan, uh, just announcing what has broken in the news in the last uh, hour or so, and that is another transfer target for Newcastle, uh, has now joined another club. So Aston Villa uh, will have the services of a Manchester United loan player this season. So uh, another one. Bites the dust, in the words of Queen. Uh, Mick, do you think we should try and get Rondon on a free transfer, says Neil? I liked him. I did. I, I, I do. I, I, I liked him. But the problem that you have is that whether we like it or not, um, I, I, you know, this is a personal opinion. Personal opinion. I can't, I can't see in my mind's eye, I'm sitting here now because you've just thrown it at me. I can't see Rondon and Callum Wilson playing in the same team. Can't see it can't see it and they're two big players they're two big egos they're two good players they're good players for me and i've said it a hundred times the absolute diamond the diamond that newcastle have is callum wilson an absolute diamond you know we we should we should keep make sure we a we should make sure we keep him but b we should make sure that he gets the service and most most importantly Keep him fit. Keep him fit because Callum Wilson is going to be the difference between a team that finishes 15th, 14th and potentially, potentially finishes maybe, maybe 8th or ninth. He's, he's that good for me. He's that good for me. 
I remember saying on here, if I was honestly, if I was a top top team, and and I was losing a top top player, I would look at I would look at Callum Wilson. I really would. I really would. I think he's that good. That's interesting from Mark Atkinson. Uh, Willock not in the Arsenal squad for the friendly today. I did say that to somebody yesterday that if he wasn't playing today. Yeah. I would be a little bit more optimistic that he's going I, to get a move. Not that not necessarily Newcastle, no, but he would no. get a move. I meant I meant to say, Steve, I can't remember when you asked me it the first time round. I was going to say there was a quote from Steve Bruce yesterday, and I can't remember it word for word, but it gave me the distinct impression that he's confident. It was something like our main target was. I don't think he said hopeful. But he said something like, we're still working on our main target and let's see what happens. It was something like that. But I read it and from years of reading things that people say, even though the majority of my time was spent listening to people, I thought to myself, that leads me to believe that they're going to get him. I don't I don't I don't I don't want to I don't want to presume because there's been, there's been too many cases um, over the years where you've, you've presumed. But there was there was just one quote from Steve Bruce this morning, and I thought to myself, I think he thinks he's going to get it. Uh, Gary, great question. I, I always like to speak to Mick about his career and uh, hearing his stories. But um, what what's your favourite piece of commentary covering Newcastle, Mick? Is there a particular moment you remember? I know the fans all have theirs, but is there one for you? Um. Uh, oh, I don't know. Um, I mean. I mean the fa the fa I mean favorite commentaries will go into I mean you you can you can get a goal right and you can get a goal wrong you know even it doesn't necessarily follow that the great moment is the great commentary moment because you can get it wrong um I think I think the great commentary moments uh, were probably um Aspria the hat trick against uh, Barcelona uh David Kelly at um at Grimsby when they got promotion to the Premier League. Um, and the one I really quite like um, uh, was Hatton Ben Arthur's goal. I think it was Bolton, wasn't it, when he picked it up inside his own half. And he kept going and he kept going and he kept going and he scored. So, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they're probably favourites, but it's not for yeah. me to say, really. Like goal says Woodman looked superb yesterday, very much like a number yeah. one to me. I've got to be honest, I agree, um, and I watched him in the games that he's played uh, this season and pre-season. Sorry, mm. and um, yeah, I mean yesterday, I think the sign of a good goalkeeper for me is somebody who has to do very little, but then is ready when that chance mm. you know comes for him to make a save, and he pulled up a fantastic save in the second half. But all round decent performance from Woodman and the back four. You know, well, see the back four, the, the three at the back, and the, the wing back seem more confident in his ability. They've had another week working together. I said, I said it on here, Steve. I think two weeks ago, um, uh, I said I think he's ready. I, 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 you know, I said, you know, there's there's a problem with Dubravka, there's a problem with Darlow, but now might be the time. And and at that time, I talked about the fact that you know he'd been at Swansea, and the standard at Swansea isn't an awful lot different, top of the Championship to bottom of the Premier League. Um, uh, and that he'd been away and he'd worked hard. But what I didn't say at the time was, and I'll say now, I've watched him over the years as much as anything because um, his dad was obviously um, goalkeeping coach under Pardew, um, and, and, and Andy Woodman is a great guy, a great guy. I mean, funny, the one of the funniest guys. Um, and I kept in touch with him. You know, I, I know people despaired at my... Um, uh, time for Alan Pardew and they believed that he was the nemesis and the arch I don't know I don't know what they thought he was um, but but Andy Woodman was his goalkeeping coach and he was a great guy and, and his son I watched him and, and he was only 13, 14 when he was first at Newcastle and, and he was skinny and scrawny and then he started filling out but the one thing he had Steve all the way through was he had that single-mindedness that goalkeepers have to have. And he had a belief in himself that goalkeepers have to have. They're, they're a different breed. They're, an, they're mad as badgers, some of them. I mean, you, the likes of John Burridge, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they, but they are a different breed to outfield players. You know, Pav, 
Pav was a great example. You know, Pav was an extraordinary character. You know, and and they are goalkeepers. And 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 and, and young Woodman, he's he's definitely got it. He's definitely got it. Um, the worry at one point was that because Andy is now the goalkeeping coach at Arsenal, he might have an influence over him going to Arsenal. I don't know. Um, at this minute in time, he's Newcastle's man. I genuinely and don't forget he was he was the goalkeeper in that England was it under sixteens under seventeens team that won the world championships. That's right. You yeah. know he's a proper goalkeeper, Steve. He's a proper goalkeeper. You know, you know. I'm going to say this now. He will be a better goalkeeper than Dubravka and Darlow put together long term. I honestly believe that. I think he'll be a proper proper goalkeeper. He could be an England goalkeeper. You know, he's that good. This young man. Um, so, but whether it's too early or not, that's the problem. That's the problem. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, uh, if you say he played well yesterday, what he what what he, what he does is he's not scared. He's 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 still a young man, but he'll 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 point fingers and he'll tell people what to do. I think it's more a case of whether they can keep him rather than when he's or, or whether he's worth being number one this season. Yeah, Fallen Angel is asking what your opinion is on uh, the departure of, of Bobby Clark. I mean, I covered it last week on the show. I'm, I'm disappointed to see any you know potential uh, you know young player leave yeah. who, could, who could go a bit further. I know Lee well. I know, I know you do as well. I know Lee's very disappointed. Not any son in the club. Um, you know, didn't make enough. Uh, didn't make enough noises to, to or, or or effort to keep the guy to keep young Bobby. So you know. See la vie. That's the way it goes in football. We all know that. But are you disappointed to see him leave? I don't know enough about the situation, Steve. I mean, that, that that's what I would say. In all honesty, what what you know, what I, what I do know is that on, on the face of it, um, why wouldn't you want to keep somebody who uh, is clearly a player? I mean, we've all seen him play. Um, he's been you know representing his country uh, at various levels. Um, if the if if the criteria for letting a player go is that you don't think he's good enough, I mean, how many times do you hear managers say, "I'm not signing anybody who's 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 not better than what I've already got"? So 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 do they think that 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 young Bobby is is not good enough? Now, if they think he's not good enough, then that whether we like it or not is their priority. That is their that is their prerogative. They, they, they can do that. They can do that. If he turns round in four years' time and is a superstar at Liverpool, and, and let's be honest, it's not as if that's not happened in the past. It's not as if you know Newcastle haven't let players go. Um, then they'll, they'll be left with egg on their faces. My problem is, my problem is, do they care enough? Do they care enough these days about you know whether you know? I mean. It, if I if I'm if I'm running the academy, unless I'm seriously wrong here, if I'm running the academy at Newcastle, you know you've got to whittle down ten to two or ten to one or twelve to two or whatever it is. You know? Now, if they're all much of a muchness, and I remember Gary Speed telling me years ago that when he was at Leeds, he got kept on with um uh David Batty and the lad who was manager at Blackpool, the centre half who worked for Five Live for a while, Simon Grace, Simon Grace. Yeah. But what? He, but what he what he said was, we were all much of a muchness. We were all much of a muchness. Now, my my argument in those sort of situations is, if they're all much of a muchness, and we never know how a sixteen year old is going to kick on, and and be the player that he might be when he's twenty. But if I'm if I'm running the academy at Newcastle, and I'm thinking, okay. It's unfair on somebody else or it's unfair on a couple of other players. But if one of those players is as good as at least three or four others, but is the son of Lee Clark and who has Newcastle at heart, I would say I'd give him the contract. I'd give him the contract. You know, if, if, that's, all it, if that's all it comes down to, the fact that you just pick in one or the other, then give him the benefit of the doubt. So I don't know why you would let him go. But... I don't know why a lot of things happen at modern-day football clubs. I really don't. 
Yeah, life goals says uh, young players only ever get a, a goal by default in the team. Longstaff, Woodman, etc. have only got a chance after the squad was decimated. Longstaff's again, you know, Sean got the nod yesterday, played the best part of the game. Honest opinion, Mick, he made a couple of ricks again yesterday. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure whether we'll see much of them. Matty was on the bench, no. didn't even feature. Um, I, I'm not sure what the situation was long after. Of course, there's rumours as well, and there are rumours at the moment that Rafa might make a bit of a, 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 a you know a move for at least Sean Longstaff before the end of the transfer window. My my, as I say, my opinion has always been that if they are outstanding players, if they're outstanding players, then they don't get let go. They don't let go. You know. Um, so I can only think that they, you know, they're, they're not sure. They're not sure. They're not sure. I mean, you know, they're, they're, you know, when you burst on the scene, and this this was my argument last week about Willock. As much as I think they should go and get Willock, as much as I think that um, he's done enough to warrant us going out and signing him for twenty twenty five million, there's still a part of me that's a thinking. Why would Arsenal let him go? And B, probably more importantly, there's a part of me that thinks everybody and every player has a purple patch in them. Every player has something in them that sometimes makes you think, oh, dear me. You know, I mean, you know, the long staffs, the goal against Manchester United, for instance, you think, oh, what a way to, what a way to mark your sort of, you know, your debut or one of your first games for Newcastle. But is that going to happen week in, week out? Are you going to be that good week in, week out? Now, Willock's done it over a prolonged period. So maybe, maybe, you know, he is worth a shot. But I'm still not 100% convinced. You know, as I said before, I wouldn't break the bank. I think 20, 25 million is about OK. But if suddenly they said, oh, we want 30 million for Joe Willock, I would say, no, no, I think that could be better spell elsewhere. Life goes just saying I'd let Sean go if it helps fund Willock, a better player who's two to three years younger. If it's just to line Ashley's pockets, then forget about selling anyone close to the first team. I think that echoes yeah. the way a lot of people feel. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, he, he is now, you know, as I say, despite my reservations about it may well have been a flash in the pan or it may well have been something that I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say this because um, I'm led to believe he's a proper, proper uh, human being, Joe Willock. But, you know, he might well have been playing for a contract. They, you know, players do over the years play at a different level when they're hungry to when they suddenly get the multi, multi millions. You know, um, I don't I, 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 honestly, I, I, I really don't think that is the case with Joe Willock. But I think. It would be hot. It, let's put it this way: I do not believe for a minute that he'll, if he came back and signed full time, he would start and continue to score goals at the alarming rate he was scoring them uh, last season. How do you think they'll line up for the first game against West Ham? Then, Mick, what's what's your guess? Three at the back. Um, what's your what's your views? How do you think you line up? Well, I don't know because you know so much these days. I mean, there was a time going back to you know when we said before about. Pre-season friendlies, you would play your pretty much your, your first eleven in your last pre-season friendly. There wouldn't be any smoke and mirrors. There wouldn't be any cloak and dagger. Now there is smoke and mirrors. Yes, there are cloak. There is cloak and dagger. But more importantly, you pick horses for courses. So you know when you play in West Ham and then you play Villa and then you play Southampton, you have to look at their strengths and weaknesses. You have to look at what, you know, probably better suits playing them. You know, I don't like it. I always say, you know, I've always said, play to your strengths. You know, if, if you've got a team that's best suited to 4-4-2, then I don't care whether the opposition play 3-5-2. I don't care whether they play a diamond. I don't care whether they play an umbrella. Whatever they want to play, you pick You pick the team that, that that's best suited. Um, I think Steve Bruce likes a back three. Um, and I'm not sure which three I would pick centrally. But as I said before, I like the prospect of um, 
Hayden, Willock um, and Shelby. I like the prospect of those three in midfield. Callum Wilson is an absolute stick-on, absolute stick-on. Uh, some maximum as well, likewise. Um, Almiron, I presume you'd want to pick him, but I don't know. I don't, Ryan, Ryan Fraser interests me. I said this two weeks ago. You know, a fully fit Ryan Fraser has shown in the Premier League at Bournemouth he can be a very, very good player. Very good player, you know. So, if you get him playing, so... You know, there's 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 six of your eleven. That doesn't leave you three. That doesn't leave you three centre backs and, and and two wing backs. So I don't know, Steve. I don't know. I I I, I personally don't like three centre backs and wing backs unless you've got genuinely genuinely good wing backs. And we haven't. We haven't. You know, Liverpool have um, a couple of other. You know, Chelsea have, but but we really don't. I think we're just. I think I think the reason three at the back comes into play when you're in Newcastle is because basically you're protecting your goal. You're not doing it for your your attacking options. You're doing it for your protective options. So we'll have to wait and see. To Bradford gets fit, is he your number one, Nick? I do. I I I've just said it. I I I do like Woodman. I do like Woodman. Uh, I've not seen him. I've I've not seen enough because he's been away at Swansea. But I think if Woodman, if Woodman comes on and develops in the way that he has been developing, I think Woodman's better than Debravka. I like Debravka. I don't think I don't think Debravka's done anything wrong. But then we found out last season, Steve, that Debravka was basically no better or no worse than than Darlow. Now Darlow, once upon a time, was very much the number two, um, and was really nowhere near the first team. It's a, it's a strange situation, goalkeepers. Goalkeepers, you know, it's all about how much football you play. Uh, it sounds daft, but you've got to remember that once upon a time, goalkeepers played 13 seasons and your reserve goalkeeper had no opportunity to show whether he was good enough. Steve Harper's a good case in point. Steve Harper, you know, sat on the bench for Newcastle for years with Shea. Shea was a fabulous keeper, but as it turned out, Steve Harper was a very good goalkeeper as well, so it's it, it's it's a it's a difficult position. But I think honestly, long term, long term, if playing Woodman this season means you can keep him long term, I would play Woodman. Okay, I guess the million dollar question is the Mick. Where do you see Newcastle United finishing this season? I cannot see them finishing. Uh, any higher than uh, 10-11. 10-11. But I can see them finishing 10-11 and it depends on one thing and one thing only. Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson. I think if Callum Wilson... Because what Callum Wilson will do is, and I like the quote, whether it was genuine or where... I don't know where it came from. But he said, I will make sure that Alan St. Maximum is at it. I will make sure that other players are at it. I think they might not only have found a proper number nine, I think they might have found a leader as well. I think they might have found somebody who loves the club enough, respects the club enough, to want to give everybody a lift. Um, and I would love to think that he might, he might reinvigorate people like Shelby. He might make people like uh, Isaac Hayden a better player. And he might particularly give St Maximum and, and, and Almiron and the likes uh, the, the kick up the arse that they need sometimes, you know. I, don't, I think it was a bit easy-ozy uh, uh, last season. I think Callum Wilson, you know, I, I would I would almost be tempted in some ways, it sounds stupid, but I would almost be tempted to give him the captain's armband because he leads by example in the same way that Big Al led by example. Because I think the rest of the team look at him and think he is our man. He is our talisman. He is the talisman of this football club, without a doubt. You know, without wanting to put too much. You look at you look at you look at the rest of the team, Steve, and you think, okay, yeah, he's okay. He's a bit better. He's a bit exciting, but he's a bit unpredictable. He's a bit inconsistent, but he's decent. He's this. He's that. 
he for me, I, I, I just can't talk, I can't talk highly enough of this fella, Steve. I think he's proper, proper quality. I honestly think he could go on and be a superstar somewhere because I think he's intelligent. I love, I loved uh, the, the interview he did with Alan. I loved that. I, I think I compared it online to De Niro interviewing Hanks. You know, it's, it's like the master and the apprentice. And, and, and Alan talking to him. And the fact that he wanted to do the interview with Alan, the fact that he likes the, he wanted the number nine. The, the nine should never have gone to Joe Linton. The nine is precious. The nine with Callum Wilson. I think he could do things this season. I really do. Yeah, uh, let's hope so, Mick. As always, uh, the hour passes too quickly, but great to have you on, mate. Look forward to speaking to you again soon, mate. And uh, let's no hope worries. it's three points next weekend. Take care, Absolutely. mate. Absolutely. See you later. Take care. Bye. The